Good morning, y'all. This is Dana and uh, from, sorry, this is Dana from Financial Aid Compliance Solutions. Welcome to Let's Talk Financial Aid for College. Uh, just got in from actually um, shoveling a little bit. So um, we got a little bit of snow here in the northeast. Um, and I'm up in New Hampshire, so it wasn't as uh, bad as it been this week down to down in uh, Texas and Arkansas and Oklahoma and let's see Shreveport, so uh, Louisiana. Um, I'm really feeling for you guys uh, because as a fellow Texan, um, I know for a fact that you're not used to that weather, and uh, the long extended period has really um, brought some major major issues to y'all so my heart goes out to you and um i will uh do everything in my power to help uh support the efforts to get y'all back on your feet again um today i wanted to continue the discussion um that i started last week about student loan debt um if you recall um i had shared a article um that was uh posted or published to CNBC um, back last Friday, February 12th, and it was about meeting student loan borrowers refusing to pay their debt, hoping that Biden would forgive. And uh, some of them have got themselves in quite a hole, um, six figures at least. And um, I just wanted, again, to reiterate, like I did last week, that um, stopping paying on your student loans is is not going to help the situation out at all. In fact, it's going to hurt uh, those borrowers that do not um, continue their payments on a regular basis because of the fact that down the road, um, it will affect their credit rating. Um, if they wanted to apply for a loan um, as far as a mortgage or maybe a car loan, um, that will definitely affect the uh, credit rating. So, and continuing that conversation um, from last week, I wanted to um, bring your attention to the fact that there was a um, article that was actually posted at InsideHigherEd.com, and it was um, about a interview that um, President Biden had provided to CNN, and. Um, as we know, the top Senate Democrats and progressive group want to um, press or are pressing President Biden to use his executive powers to wipe away up to $50,000 from the debts of all student borrowers. And uh, President Biden officially said that he is not going to do that. So um, just want to put it out there that uh, for those that thought that this was going to come to fruition, um, it's not. And so again, I encourage everyone that is uh, currently having issues with repayment on their student loan debts to do everything that they can to look into different avenues of consolidating your debt. Um, and also um, there are multiple resources um, and beginning with studentaid.gov. Um, you go to that website and there is a whole section regarding repayment. And uh, I highly recommend that you utilize that service. Um, also, there are uh, your local banks. Um, they can help you out as well. Um, so you just need to get creative and uh, 
review um, what options that you do have. And the main reason I'm going to just be blunt about it, when you accepted those loans, you completed what is called a promissory note, which is a promise to pay back the loans that you received and were extended. Those loans were from taxpayer money. And if that money does not get paid back, that is another additional tax upon the current taxpayers uh, to have to replenish that fund so that future generations have the same opportunities that you did. So if you were afforded the opportunity to be able to take out student loans and you promised promise to pay them back, you are obligated to pay back that money. And I'm just going to be blunt about it. And I paid back my loans. And I also went to a school that I could afford. If you went to an institution that you could not afford and you knew that you could not afford it, I'm sorry, but this is reality. You need to figure out how you're going to pay that money back. It's plain and simple. You need to figure out how you're going to pay that money back. Now, I know there's a lot of issues going on in this country with the pandemic, lost jobs, etc. But the fact remains that if you overextended yourself by going to an institution that you were fully aware that you could not afford, that was your decision. And I'm going to use another example of buying a car. If you go and buy a car that, say, is $40,000 and maybe when they ran your credit history, they said, okay, you can afford $40,000 and you find yourself that you can't afford the $40,000, well, you got you got a problem there too, okay? So don't overextend yourself. And now I'm going to switch and talk to students that may be listening that are contemplating going to school. Um, and this is not just for high school students or high school seniors or juniors. Um, this is for those that may be looking for um, a career change. Uh, again, you need to make sure that the institution that you are selecting to go to, you can afford it. Because I'm gonna tell you right now that the financial aid office is not gonna say, hey, wait a minute, we know that you can't afford it because they're not running credit checks. Student loans are a guarantee. As long as you um, are within what they call aggregate loan limits and for students that are independent, meaning they are independent 24 years or older, or they can answer the independent questions on the FAFSA, such as married, or if they were active military, or if they are veteran, or if um, you support children or dependents more than 50% and you do not reside with your parents, uh, that will put you in the independent category. That combined aggregate loan limit is $57,500. That's astronomical, but there are some individuals that are in the sector, if you will, uh, the wealthy sector that can afford that. But if you are in low income and you know who you are, or you're in middle income, and again, you know who you are, and you can't afford that amount of money, then don't take that burden on because it's not going to help you out in the long run. And again, the institutions, because they don't run credit checks, 
they're not going to say that you can't afford this. So it's up to you to determine the fact based on what you have for income and debts already owed on whether or not you're going to be able to afford this these loans. Uh, the other thing I want to point out is, is that um, uh, every institution um, per the department guidelines, if they are in the Title IV program, and that's important, you need to make sure that the institution you're contemplating going to is in the Title IV program. And you are eligible to fill the FAFSA out, and uh, then you're going to be determining whether or not you get what is called a Pell Grant. Pell Grants do not have to be paid back. That is free money. And uh, right now, um, the current award year we're working on, which is 2020-2021, that started July 1st, 2020, will end on June 30th, 2021. If you have what they call a zero estimated family contribution, $6,345 in free money is what you're eligible to receive. For the majority of low-income families and uh, some middle-income families, you are eligible to receive a Pell Grant. It begins at the $6,345, and then there is a chart that we have to use. And based on the information that is entered on your FAFSA, and for the 2020-2021, that is 2018 income tax information, as well as income earned from work. Maybe you didn't have to file a tax return, but it counts as income. You have to put your income earned from work or other untaxed income you may have received in 2018. Number of family members, number going to college. All of that goes into a calculation and that's how the estimated family contribution is determined once the FAFSA is generated. And so, um, for the up and coming award year, which is the 2021-2022, and again, that will begin on July 1st, 2021, and will end on June 30th, 2022, there was an increase of $150. So $6,495 will be what is available in Pell Grant if, again, you have a zero estimated family contribution. So um, as far as debt goes, um, again, I just want to point out that um, you just need to be really careful when you are applying to uh, and looking to enroll in school uh, to make sure, again, that you are able to afford to attend the school. And, and when you are accepting the student loans, you have yourself situated that you will be able to afford those loans after graduation. Now, the one part of this is, is that if you um, don't know, um, student loans are divided into two categories. There is the subsidized loan for the student, which means that interest is deferred until you graduate and then you go into repayment within six months time. Then there is the unsub loan, which is tax, I'm sorry, interest is not deferred unless you request it to be deferred, but I don't recommend that because typically the interest on that loan while you're in school is only $20 a month. And I can tell you right now, I know for a fact 
everybody can afford $20 a month. I'm just going to put it out there. If you can afford to go to a fast food restaurant, you can afford to go and get your hair done, you can afford to go and get a tank of gas, then you can afford $20 a month. And the other thing I want to point out is, is that you should only be taking out loans to cover your tuition. You should not be taking out loan money to live upon and not have subsequent income. So if you're planning on living on your loan money while you're going to school, that is not advisable. You need to get yourself out into the workforce and figure out something. I don't care if it's going to a grocery store and being a bagger. There's nothing wrong with that. We all started at the bottom and worked our way up. And some of us even ended up working our way up, got stagnant, and we ended up going back down the ladder because there's been a couple of articles I've seen on social media of late, uh, namely LinkedIn, uh, of postings of people that are basically underemployed, not unemployed, but they're underemployed. So meaning they have graduate degrees and they may be working um, at McDonald's. And if that's what you got to do to put food on the table, then that's what you got to do. Or if that's what you got to do to, you know, be able to afford whatever you need to afford, including your student loans, then do it by all means. I worked three jobs when I went to school. One was full-time and I had two part-time jobs. And the third job I had was, was I'll be honest with you, was uh, listening to um, a baby monitor at night for a disabled gentleman that lived across the hall from me in my apartment. And I was just there to monitor the, you know, the mon- the baby monitor in case he needed me in the middle of the night. And that's all I did, but that's what I did. So there are ways to pay, but just putting your head in the sand like an ostrich and not, and not making things um, available to yourself when there's plenty of opportunity out there uh, to work, it, it's just not an option. So I'm just putting it out there that, again, if you take on the loans to go to school, Make sure that you're available to repay them because uh, loan forgiveness, it may come to fruition, but more than likely it may not because it still has to pass everything um, as far as political goes. And as we know, our government, you know, there's a lot of fights that go on in between them and what what is promised usually does not come to fruition. I'm just going to put it out there. Um so in this article that I referenced, still so inside higher ed, based on that uh, conversation or interview that President Biden had, he did mention that he would support sm- uh, canceling a smaller amount, like $10,000. Um, but I know that for those families out there that, you know, have incurred six-figure amounts, five and six-figure amounts, um, $10,000, yep. But that's a drop in the bucket. So, you, again, you're still in the same situation and you're still going to have to repay. Um, the other item that I just also wanted to point out is, is that as we're nearing the end of uh, the month of February, which is Financial Aid Month, there's a lot of folks out there that have um, probably received their um, acceptance letters uh, to the institutions that they applied to. This is the time that you need to be looking to see which one you can afford. And there is nothing wrong with 
applying to an institution and then making the decision that maybe you can't afford it and you go to community college. Granted, <clears throat> the education for the most part, I'm gonna put it out there, is usually the same. It, it usually is the same. It's just when you are uh, maybe applying to a school of a higher uh, ranking because of the name, then that may get you um, a little bit of an advantage over some students, but you're still in a pool of students that you may, just because you go to that institution, apply for the same job, you may not get hired for it, even if you do go to that institution. So again, you just got to look at reality. And also the other part of reality is, is that while you're in school, if you determine whatever school you go to and you're a young person, <clears throat> you know, life happens. And uh, down the road um, while you're in school, you may end up finding that your life has changed. You may be starting a family, maybe getting married. Um, and so, and, and then your interests are going to change. So Again, just when you're making these decisions, you're going to need to uh, just make sure that it's going to be the right decision for you for the long haul. Having said that, I also um, want to invite you to um, attend uh, on Wednesday evenings. I have teamed up with Teresa Harris of Scholarship Mama out of Chicago, and she and I every Wednesday evening are uh, doing live uh, segments on our IGTV channels. Hers is at I Am Scholarship Mama, and my uh, channel is at DASFA1215. So it's Wednesday evenings, Her uh, the time is 6.30 Central, 7.30 Eastern. So I invite you to uh, attend that and uh, I've got a tickle coming on, so I'm going to end the podcast for now. I hope everybody has a great weekend. Take care. <coughs>